just want to introduce myself, first of all. My name is Steve Watts. I am um, living now in Houston. I'm born a Texan. I was born in Abilene, Texas. And um, I was born again on my 10th birthday. Wasn't that cool? My mom, dear, dear mom, she's gone to be with the Lord last year. She went to be with the Lord in October. And uh, she was faithful to bring me to church with her every time. Basically, the doors were open. You know, she was there. And uh, so we actually, on November the 8th of 1964, that'll tell you how old I am. I'm old, but anyway. November the 8th, 1964 was my 10th birthday. And it was on a Sunday. So guess what we did? We went to church. <laughs> of course, Sunday morning. And then we had a little birthday party in the afternoon. And then guess what we did on Sunday evening? We went to church. <laughs> and so I was sitting there with my mom, beside my mom that evening. I think we're about on the third row. And, of course, I had been to church many times by that time in my life. And I began to be convicted during that year, probably, that nine, you know, eight and nine. I started getting pretty naughty. And you probably weren't naughty when you were eight or nine. But anyway, I'm not going to ask that question. So I was getting pretty bad, and I was feeling guilty about a lot of things, I think, because I realized I'm... I'm, I'm, a sin, I'm kind of a sinning person, and I don't know what to do. And that night when the preacher shared, the words just penetrated me. And my little heart was touched. And so when he got to the point where he said, Now, if you would like to receive the Lord, I would like for you to come down to the front, and I'll pray with you. And I was there, and they started playing this song. And, you know, I just, I didn't know what to do. And the tears just started coming down my eyes. And then my mom, she kind of looked in the corner of her eye. And she, she saw me there. And she said, um, she said, do you want to go down to the front? I said, yes. <laughs> and so I went down to the front. And with tears, I prayed and received the Lord. Very genuine experience of repenting. Of the Lord, even to my little 10 year old sinning heart. <laughs> and uh, I received the Lord and, and got baptized soon after that. But it wasn't that long before I realized that I needed more than just an initial salvation. I got into my teens, especially. Um, and I'll tell you that story in a minute. So, um, so here we are now at, at this point. I've passed through a lot of decades of my life. And um, eventually I ended up in medical school, becoming a doctor. And I studied not only family medicine, but I qualified in sports medicine. So I'm a primary care sports medicine doctor. And practiced that for 35 years. <clears throat> Was a professor at the University of Mississippi and directed sports medicine program there. And finished the kind of the academic side and decided I wanted to serve more and work less. That's my new motto, by the way. Serve more, work less. <laughs> but actually, if you really ask me, I, I felt my work was my service. 
And I consecrated myself in a very serious way at a very young age. And so my whole career was not about me or my family. It was about the Lord. That's my testimony about my job. So I married and had three children. Now I have seven grandchildren. And three of my grandchildren live right here. So guess where I like to visit quite often? <laughs> College Station. And some of you know Brian and Allison. You may even know my grandkids, uh, Madison and Gracie and Walker. And the good news is that about two years ago now, Madison and Gracie were both saved and baptized right here at the meeting hall of the church. So I'm very happy about that. But going back to my consecration, um, in 2000, not 2000, well, a long time ago, my father died. He was 39 years old and I was 14. And he died suddenly of a massive cerebral hemorrhage. And so that really shook me up quite a bit, of course, as it would any teenager. And I was somewhat seeking, but not really sure. But things were happening, and I realized I need more than just believing and just going on just kind of a superficial salvation. And so I started really seeking the Lord, and the Lord met me. And I consecrated myself to the Lord. I said, Lord, I want to give you my whole life. So it's a big event, of course. But you know what? I was trying to be so strong. I was 14. I had three sisters and my mom. And I realized I have a responsibility here. And part of my brain was confused and didn't know what to do. But I did not cry during my entire the entire funeral of my father. I was like, you know how it is sometimes. You just want to be tough. You just want to be strong. And But the Lord was really working on my heart. And then some things happened after that. And I think it came down to this. Either I'm going to blame God for all these things that are happening to me. Or I'm going to turn to God. It was a crossroads for me. And by the Lord's mercy, I don't know why, but I said, okay, I'm giving everything to you. And I consecrated myself to the Lord. Didn't know what I was going to do, but anyway, the Lord met me, and I just began to be a loving seeker. Maybe even a psalmist. I said, well, I'm a psalmist. I don't know. Well, you know, the psalm that we're going to read tonight is by a guy named Asaph. And so I wish my parents had named me Asaph. My middle initial is A, but it doesn't stand for Asaph. But as I was preparing this lesson tonight, I thought, I, I, was, I should have been Asaph. <laughs> because even at 14, 15, I was already, you know, in seventh grade, I started playing guitar. Uh, and we had a band and everything. And I was playing a... My, I was the lead guitar player and all this stuff. Well, that was one side. But on the other side, the Lord was really working. And, and so I continued that. I began to sing to the Lord. And he met me so many times in my singing. And the summer after my father died, I went up to work with my uncle because I needed to make some money to support my family. 
My dad was a bricklayer, and he taught me a little bit about that. And so I said, I'm going to work for my uncle. But I was isolated. All I had was my little guitar, and I had a little songbook called My Soapbox. And it was all Christian's little songs, folk songs. And at that time, Christian folk songs were kind of new, you know, and hip and everything. And so I learned, I just sang. I would come home from work every night. Had no, it was in the, living out in the country and working all day and no friends, no phone, no connection to anything. I don't think my uncle even had a TV. But I had the guitar and my soapbox. And I just began to sing to the Lord and sing those songs and cry a little bit. And I was able to just kind of break through everything and really solidify my consecration. Well, I came home that summer and I had a girlfriend. I had a girlfriend before I went that summer. Yeah, well, you know, how could, how serious can it be? But anyway, we thought we were, well, you know, it's puppy love, but sometimes puppies grow into full-grown dogs. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it, it was starting off that way and and I came back, and I said, um, I told her, I said, I got to sing you these songs. I wanted to sing everybody these songs. And so I, was, I sang, I'd open up a song. I said, listen to this one. And I'd sing it to her. And she'd say, uh, wow, something happened to you. <laughs> she didn't know what it was, but she knew it was something. And uh, I said, yeah, and I'm going to teach it to all my youth group. And so I'd, I would go back to my youth group and teach them these songs and I said, you need to come to the youth group. And so she came, and she was a Methodist, but she wasn't saved. And she came to the youth group, and she got saved. She got saved. So now here we are, boyfriend, girlfriend, we got saved. And now, of course, what did, what did I want to do at that time? What do you think happens to a high school? I was like freshman, high, sophomore in high school by this time. What do you think you do when you're a sophomore in high school, and you're on fire for Jesus? Anybody here get saved in high school? Or anybody here on fire for Jesus in high school? Well, I was. I was. And so I was a good evangelical Christian. <laughs> you know, that means gospel preaching Christian. So everybody in my school, it's a little small school, West Texas, a little town called Idaloo. Everybody in that school knew to clear the hallway whenever Steve Watts was coming through. <laughs> Because they would hear something or get a gospel tract or something. And a friend of mine, the worst kid in my class, the worst kid, the thug of the class, was my best friend before I had a consecration. And so I said, first of all, Scott McCall is going to get saved. And so I called him up and said, let's go for a ride on a bicycle. We didn't have a car. So we went for a ride and I said, let's get into your brother's Chevy. His brother, his older brother, had a uh, 57 Chevy. Bel Air. Anyway, we got in that thing. And I said, Scott, you need to receive the Lord. And I shared with him the four spiritual laws from Campus Crusade. Maybe you know that. Four spiritual laws. And he received the Lord. And we were like sons of thunder. Scott McCall. The whole school said, Scott McCall got saved. I mean, Steve Watts was kind of a good kid, but Scott McCall, he was bad. And now they're all, they're both, you know, just preaching the gospel. So that became our reputation. We love the Lord. We love the Lord. And we shared the Lord because of that love. It wasn't out of right or duty. 
It wasn't because we were told we had to. It was because we met a person. It was non-religious. It was real. And so um, after that, I, I really began to seek the things of the Lord and really the truth of the Lord. And I fell in love with the Bible again. I had read a lot of verses, etc., memorized verses in Sunday school, etc. But I realized that the word of God is the place to plant my roots. If I want to grow in my love for the Lord, I need to spend time in the word of the Lord. That's why it says, I love the Lord, I love his words. Why did his psalmist say, I love the Lord, I love your words? Why did he say, your words are sweeter than honey to my mouth? Who would say that? You can't say that about biology, text, calculus, engineering classes. Any of you say, I love these words. All right. These words are the sweetest words. <laughs> no. Just, like who says this? Why? Because it's a person behind the words. It's a person who speaks the words. And when you hear that person's speaking, you get to know the person. The more I stand up here and talk to you, the more you'll know me. And then you'll have to decide, I like him or I don't like him, right? <laughs> I love him or no, I don't care for him. Well, Jesus was this way. The more you heard him, either you loved him or you hated him. <laughs> some people actually hated him. But there were some who had an ear to hear and realize who else now he said, they said this to him whenever he was talking about eating him as the bread of life. Not an easy word to hear. He eats me, will live forever. Wait a minute. <laughs> and it says a lot of people left him whenever he, they heard that. And so he turned to them and said, will you also leave me, Spencer? And what did, the, what did Jesus say back? What did Spencer say back? Well, this is what they said. I hope you would say this. But they said, Lord, who else speaks to us the words of eternal life? And what could, what could Jesus say? Well, probably nobody. <laughs> Even though maybe they had spoken the Bible, right? They spoke the scriptures. The Pharisees knew all of that. They were law keepers. Not Jesus lovers. But when Jesus spoke. Those words penetrated. To the deepest part of man. And they not only penetrated the heart. But they reached in. And deposited something of God's love into you. Do you think you, in yourself, really have any ability to love as God loves? Can your love match the love of God? 
Romans 5 says, some people would give up something for a good man. Maybe even a righteous man. Some people would give up something. But who would give up their life? Even for a good man. Or even for a righteous cause. Who would give up their life? But God sending his own son. Right? That one. He gave up his son. His only son. That we could have life. That is the epitome of love. So really. Whenever we talk about. The Psalms. And about the words of the Psalms. We have to see the deeper Meaning, right? This is what you were saying. You've been studying this whole time, these psalms. I hope it's starting to penetrate. These psalms are more than just words. There's a person behind them that is infusing you with a new appreciation for God. A new knowledge that leads to more love. A new knowing that leads to more consecration. A knowing that changes the way you live. The way you speak. The decisions you make. This is the effect. Of knowing the Psalms. As a loving seeker. Not a law keeper. Okay. So with that introduction. Let's look at these Psalms. We're going to stop here before very long. But we'll just read through them. Especially Psalm 73. When you have time. Please read the whole chapter. It's incredible. But let's look at Psalm 73. 25 through 26. You guys have it up there, so let's read it all together. You ready? Whom? Okay, go ahead to 77. So you can see in these verses, there is a definite transaction between the one who is appreciating in these words. So the one who's speaking is affecting the one who's hearing. And his response is quite logical. <laughs> I would say when you look at the whole situation when your eyes are open to see the world for what it is sometimes it takes a little time in your young life but all of us at some point will say my flesh and my heart fail my flesh no matter how good my effort my heart no matter how no matter how pure my intentions fail but God is the rock. That means the strength. Even it's translated sometimes. The strength. God is the strength. Of my heart. And my portion. Forever. That's your drink. That's your energy drink. <laughs> I could have referenced this verse too. To that song. Because it's all there. So. To me. These psalms become so sweet because they match what's in my heart toward God. 
Now, the second point is about Christ being irresistible. We talked about that already. And mainly, it's, it's just amazing when you read the Gospels how much response there was to the simple words of this man. Do you remember the tax collector? Um, you know, the guy who really, his name was Levi, and eventually called Matthew, and then wrote a book called Matthew. <laughs> okay, he was, he was a young guy, pretty young, um, but he was successful, sitting at the tax booth, collecting taxes from everybody. Good job, because he took a little, you know, you could take a little piece of it yourself. You get a tax, you get your cut, get a tax, get your cut. Good deal. Jesus came to him. There's no record that he did anything to try to convince him. He didn't try to convince him. He walked up to his table and said, follow me. Say, I'm not Jesus because he's not following him. <laughs> follow me. He's starting to move. Follow me. Well, he wasn't as stubborn as Spencer. <laughs> Sorry, Spencer, you didn't realize that. He got up. He followed him. You know where he went? You know where Levi went? I mean, you know where Jesus went? He said, follow me, right? Because you apply it generally, follow me. Yeah, we follow the Lord. No. Where did he go? You remember that story? Anybody know where he went? I'm going to ask one of these adults over here. <laughs> You're an adult, right, Samuel? <laughs> where did he go? Where did, he, where did Jesus go, though? Matthew? No. He went to his house. He said, follow me. So where's he going? He knew where this guy lived. <laughs> and when he got there, there was a bunch of sinners there, it says. All his tax collector friends were there. Guess what they were doing? Having a party. They were all drinking and partying. He was a party guy. Did you know you can preach the gospel to party people? Sometimes that's the Lord. That's the Lord. And then eventually he came. And of course there was a lot of people following Jesus too. He said, oh look he's going. He's eating He's eating with sinners. You know, who is this guy, Jesus? Well, he's so attractive. He's so magnetic. His words changed people's lives because they infused people with belief, with faith. That's the power of the Psalms. That's the power of the Word of God whenever you see the person behind the Word. So are you a seeker? Hopefully. Yes, because you you are. I know you are. You wouldn't be here. Yeah. Right? You're a seeker. So you're here because you heard his words and there was a response in your heart. So this needs to be our practice. The practice of every believer should be to spend some time every day in the Lord's presence in the word. These two things must go together. And when we do, we'll be a different person 
And the result is we will love the Lord more and more until we also, as it says in three here, will be occupied only with him. And we will consecrate ourselves just as these did, like Mary in Luke chapter 10, which is on this here. She just gave herself to love the Lord. Eventually, Martha came around. Don't worry about Martha. She was a little anxious about stuff. Maybe you're a little anxious. Maybe you don't feel like you're Mary. Maybe you feel like you're Martha. <laughs> but don't worry, she came around. <laughs> because the Lord is faithful. He's faithful to call us. And he's faithful not only to call us, but to carry through. And even to support us, even in our weakness. So I'm very encouraged. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to thank all of you for paying attention and listening to my little story. And I hope the Lord would continue to touch you related to these, this thing. That is, find the Lord in the word every day. And you'll never be dissatisfied with life.